Check this From out, studio. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Well, I mean, it's it's an afternoon, to say the least. I am here, uh, border to border, on a Friday. My goodness, we were 80 and sunny, and now it's 50-something and rainy. That's never fun. So uh, hopefully you are... I don't even know what you're doing today. I don't know. You're probably at work. You're miserable like the rest of us with the seasonal, whatever, the SAD disorder when it becomes uh, night earlier. But whatever. We're going to make this hour a happy-go-lucky time. We're going to do some good things coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. You know what we do on Fridays. Tim Murray, V-SIM, will join us. That's at 3.15. We'll talk about, well, um, we'll get his thoughts. I mean, there's some intriguing state games uh, coming up on Saturday. We'll get his thoughts on the Sunday card, maybe college basketball, whatever. Uh, Tim will join us at 3.15. And then we'll just get you set for the weekend ahead. As I said, there's some interesting games involving the state schools in college football. Uh, Some of the state schools are in action early here in college basketball. We'll update you on that. We'll talk a little Commander Seahawks. The injury report is out. It's a very, very good one if you're a Commanders fan, a.k.a. there's only one player on there, and he's listed as questionable. Uh, So we have a lot to get into over the next hour of the show. 804-327-0888. That is the phone number. That is also the text line. You could tweet me at MidMajorMatt, or you can use the station's Twitter at ESPN Richmond if you ever want to get involved with the show. Um, Start out with last night. I uh, I said on the show yesterday that I wanted Anthony Calandria to start the game for the Cavaliers. He did, and um, I was very happy to see it. And look, I, I'm saying this now, and we'll probably you know talk more UVA next week um, as we approach that Tech UVA game, whatever. But Anthony Calandria is the answer going forward. Tony Musket's nice. He's a solid backup type. I've always said it. I was wrong for a brief moment because Tony Musket had a couple of good games. Anthony Calandria is the future of the Cavaliers. Get him an offensive line. Get him another weapon or two and let him flourish. And we saw it last night. You know, it's funny. I had a couple of wagers on the game. I think I told one of them on yesterday. I had, uh, you know, DraftKings has these markets where, and unfortunately we can't bet on it, uh, they have these touchdown markets where basically you just bet on how many touchdowns you think somebody's going to score. And Virginia's was one and a half. And I'm like, if Calandria starts, I'm taking the over or I'm giving out the over as a handicapper. And you look bad in the first half. I'm sitting there watching them in the first half and they're moving the ball a little bit. And then there's penalties and fumbles and everything. I'm like, this was a terrible decision. And then they score 21 points in the third quarter. And I said as part of the write-up, I said, Anthony Calandria has given us at least one. His arm is good enough to give us at least one. His arm is also good enough to get at least one interception. He did throw an interception, but he's talented. And if I'm the Cavaliers, and this is the unfortunate world of college football that we're in, Anthony Calandria has to be named your starter next year. And this is the problem with with playing young players because other people watch film and they see that Anthony Colandria, in between the interceptions, the sacks, the things like that, the plays that maybe he shouldn't make as a freshman, there's a lot of plays he should be making as a freshman, and he did. 20-31, 314 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He led them in rushing, averaging 6.4 yards a rush. Now, remember, there's a convoluted system in college football when it comes to rushing. You know, sacks count as negative yards, so he probably had even more. 
He had no help uh, from the ground game. Um, he accounted for 89 yards. The rest of the running backs or r- people who ran the ball accounted for 31 yards. So to me, Anthony Colandria is the answer. And if I'm Tony Elliott, your first test when it comes to future rosters, I mean, you kind of failed your first test, actually, by getting rid of Brennan Armstrong. But then Brennan Armstrong hasn't exactly done anything at NC State. Like, your first real test is to tell Anthony Calandria this offseason he's the starting quarterback next year and convince him of it and make sure to NIL him up. Because if you do not... I can 100% see him going somewhere else. There's not a doubt in my mind that somebody else, now I don't know where, you know, he is on the, I I don't know what his particulars are in terms of his height and his weight. I'm looking it up now. He's 5'11", 180. If he was 6'2", 230, he would not be in UVA. He'd probably be in a in a other Power Five school. But he's five foot eleven. He's one hundred eighty pounds. So it's okay. He was overlooked. Now he's not going to be overlooked this offseason. First test for Tony Elliott. Make sure to convince him he's going to be the starting quarterback, and make sure to convince him with the NIL. Now, obviously, the school doesn't, but whatever. Get him as much NIL money as possible. Because he is the future of this program. And while the season has been miserable at 2-8, and eight, and who knows where it's going to go from here, Anthony Colandria is the answer going forward. Whenever you're a bad team, you want to find things, you want to find out things. And look, I've been happy with UVA's offense. At times they've gotten a little trick play happy, but they've moved the ball. That's important. So I'm okay with moving forward there. But you have to convince Anthony Colandria to stay. Not to say you couldn't get another Anthony Calandri out there, but I really like the kid. I think he's going to be good uh, for the future of Virginia. So they lose 31-24. They are 2-8. and eight. They're 1-5 and five in conference. They're two games left. They're Duke at home and uh, Virginia Tech at home. So really it boils down to one game. There's no bowl in their future. And so next week you're just going to get some more reps for Calandria and you're going to figure things out and then we'll see what happens going forward. So that's your college football recap. We'll tell you about more about uh, the games coming up tomorrow. We'll do that in a, in a segment down the line. College basketball last night. I mean, listen, if JMU's not America's campus, America's team, I don't know what it would take. I mean, every by every account yesterday, JMU should have lost that game. You know, over, you know, coming off the huge win against Michigan State, um, you know, Kent State comes back. They're up whatever it was. It was three. No, they're up five with like three seconds left. Noah Friedel gets those five points. They go to overtime. They win the game 113-108. They had foul trouble once again. Three of their starters fouled out in the game. They had everything to fight, and they still won. And they're 2-0 in the season. And they're getting more publicity for it. You know, everybody's paying attention to it. And so James Madison is a team. Uh, You already got the articles. Are they the next Florida Atlantic? Are they the next team that's going to shock the college basketball world? I mean, we'll see what happens. They finally get to play their first home game on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Please go out there. Go support them. It's Howard. I know it is, but, like, go support James Madison. They're also home next week, uh, next Friday, as they host Radford. Um... And then they get their fun trip uh, to Mexico. So uh, JMU continues to shock the college basketball world. We had a good day uh, as a state yesterday. William & Mary gets the win, 75-56. They're 2-0 in the season. Norfolk State is now 2-0. They beat the Apprentice School. 
Um, Hampton is one and one. They get the win over Mid-Atlantic Christian. I mean, as we said, if you're not playing teams that are not in your level the first game, you're playing them in the second game. VMI got the win. They win 87 to 53. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the opponent's name that they beat, but it was somebody that was not on their level. And so it was a very good day uh, for the state of Virginia. We've got really good college basketball in this state, but maybe we're even better than we thought with what uh, JMU did. And so uh, the Dukes are 2-0. They're 9-0 in football. Everything's coming up, JMU. Uh, we'll get more into it as the week goes along. Um, Commander's injury report is out. Only one name, Curtis Samuel, the only name listed. He is questionable uh, for this game. And we haven't talked very much about it. We'll get into it a little bit. We'll get Tim, Tim Murray's thoughts on it, certainly. But to me, I think Washington's a little live. Uh, if I was to look at what the line is, and I'm trying to pull it up now as we talk, uh, you know, look, I, I think Seattle's always a tough place to play, but I don't think it's as tough as it's always been. You know, I, I, Seattle is a, they're a good team. They're not a great team by any stretch. They, you know, their defense is okay. Their offense, I mean, Gino is what Gino is. He's going to make some good throws. He's going to make some bad throws. Uh, I the one thing that's concerning about the Commanders when you look at them is how they've performed away from home. You know, I, I mean, you could say this for any team. Basically, you could say, well, their road and their home records. You know, how are they doing away from home? When you look at what they've done, they won at Denver, they lost in overtime against the Eagles, they won in Atlanta, and then they lost at the Giants, and they won in New England. But this is the fourth road game over the last five weeks. Are they tired? Are they, you know, a little road weary? Remember, they don't have a very home friendly stretch to their schedule until week 17 and 18 when they're home back to back, and it's San Francisco and Dallas. This team has, and remember, the extra road game this year is in the NFC. The extra home game will be in the NFC next year. They've been home road, home road, home road, road, home road, road, and then there's home road, home. Road, road, home, home. Not a friendly stretch in the bunch. Um, 425 kickoff on Fox. I apologize to the Commanders fans who take their their naps during the 4 o'clock games. That's what I do. Um, I You'll just have to figure it out. You'll just have to uh, figure it out. But a healthy injury report and a team that's got some confidence right now and a Seattle team that, eh, you know, why is Seattle really special? I think there's, there's a chance the Commanders can cover at least. I don't know if they're going to win. But they can certainly make things interesting uh, on Sunday against the Seahawks. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. We'll get the thoughts on that game, the college football slate, uh, the NFL slate. We'll get the thoughts of our next guest, Tim Murray. He will join us next. After this timeout, you're listening to 106.1 ESPN. This weekend, the Spiders host the Phoenix of Elon in their final home game of the season. Our coverage of this critical CAA clash begins Saturday afternoon at 1.30 ahead of a 2 o'clock kick here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here on a gloomy Friday. Um, but you know what that means? You could just sit inside and uh, watch some football tonight. Uh, watch the quote unquote NBA in season tournament tonight. Big whoop. Uh, or you can get ready for the college football day tomorrow or NFL on Sunday. And to help us do so, it is around 3.15 on a Friday. Uh, checking in from Las Vegas. You can follow him on Twitter at one Tim Murray. VSIM primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, joining us now, it's Tim Murray. Tim, what's going on? Matt, what's happening, man? I am uh, 
I'm fired up. Gonna go uh, catch a little Wyoming UNLV tonight, late night for uh, for you folks there in Richmond. Were you involved in the Virginia game at all last night? You know, I'm mad at myself. I got involved with a different Virginia institution yesterday, um, which might have been one of the worst beats of all time. Um, but I did not get involved. I was, I was a little frustrated because we talked about it on the show. There was uh, sharp money coming in on Virginia right, right before kick, uh, buying it down to like 19 and a half, 20. And uh, I said it would have been uh, Virginia or pass. I, I passed on it. And uh, lo and behold, they, they had a chance, really good chance to win that game outright. I think Calandria makes them live. I know obviously their last two games are Duke and Virginia Tech at home. So they are only two games left. But I think he makes a bit of a difference for that offense. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I will send uh, UVA, Tony Elliott, anybody, uh, big old fruit basket uh, if they can beat Duke because I have under six and a half wins on Duke, and uh, it doesn't look great. They're six and three, and uh, you know they're a big fit underdog this weekend. But uh, no, I was impressed. I'm, I'm impressed to see a little bit of life here uh, late in the season, and, and obviously, what a interesting year where you've you've beaten Virginia, or excuse me, beaten North Carolina. Um, you know, up a touchdown late against Louisville on the road. So uh, I, I think Tony Elliott has to feel a little bit encouraged about how things are going here towards the end of the season. All right, so we got three games involving the state schools, all of different relevance. Uh, we'll get to the irrelevant one first. Virginia Tech <laughs> at Boston College, which we kind of sort of disagree yeah. on, but like I, it, neither of us love the side we've taken. Um, why do you think Virginia Tech could win tomorrow? I just really like the spot. Um, you know, I, I think Boston College coming off of – you know they got the bowl eligibility. Uh, you know, and I think for for Brent Pry's squad, uh, I think bowl eligibility is important for for the Hokies. And you go up on the road, you're now a short favorite, which I think is kind of telling you something. You've seen a flip of favorites in this game, and then, you know, look, uh, Castellanos is is a really impressive quarterback. He can utilize his legs quite a bit, Matt. But let's be real about Boston College's, you know, six wins here. Uh, you know, a, a touchdown victory in one of the ugliest football games I've watched in a long time last Friday night against your Orange, who were without their starting quarterback. Uh, they beat UConn, who is horrendous by a touchdown. The Georgia Tech win, I'd say, is, is impressive. You know, going to Georgia Tech and winning by 15 points. You beat Army in, in the rain by three, and you beat Virginia, you know, by three as well. So, I I think BC might be just a little overinflated. Uh, I think getting the bowl eligibility may be a little bit of a, a letdown. I think you're going to get a desperate Virginia Tech squad here. So, like you said, not my favorite play of the week. I took some Virginia Tech money line because I do think uh, they've got a chance to go up there and get this victory outright at noon. So, uh, I lean uh, I lean towards the Hokies. Bet a little bit on the Hokies here in this spot to get their fifth win of the season at four and five, knowing that you know they've got a win against NC State at home next week and Virginia. Virginia to close out the year to try to get the bowl eligibility for the Hokies. And then, of course, we ask the same question to you every week about James right. Madison. Obviously, you know, look, they sent off a waiver to the NCAA, so maybe there's a miracle and they get approved for whatever they need, the Sun Belt champion, and, and maybe the New Year's Six Bowl. And in comes UConn, who I feel like they're ready <laughs> for the season to end. Uh, how do you attack this one, potentially? So I just want to verge real quickly. Uh, I had Kent State last night. Um, anyone uh, who watched... Uh, 
This game, uh, it was 89-84 to with 3.8 seconds to go, and I took Kent State on the money line against James Madison, and I did not win that bet. I don't know how. Still don't know how. Uh, Pretty stunning. So apparently JMU just has all the mojo on their side, uh, any athletic department. Look, I can't take UConn here. I mean, it, it is really hard to take the points with UConn. I do wonder, I mean... With James Madison, is it kind of scorched earth mentality? You know, we talked about last week, and I, I didn't end up getting in the window, but I did like the spot for them against Georgia State. Is there – App State isn't what they have been, so I don't think there's really a, a look-ahead factor. Is there complacency? You know, I, I would be JMU or pass here just because I, I agree. I think UConn has packed it in for the year. Uh, they just got absolutely boat raced last week by Tennessee, uh, you know, for this UConn team coming off of the bowl season last year. They're just, it's been a, a resurface to earth. So uh, I'm not going to get involved with this one, but it would be, uh, it would be JMU or pass because I'm just curious if they're going to go and just try to crush as many teams as possible to try to get to a, uh, an undefeated season. And then the other game has some interesting angles to it. And uh, we'll get to your picks for Saturday in just a moment. Old Dominion and Liberty. Liberty has clinched their birth in the Conference USA Championship game. It's already going to be in Liberty, so they really have nothing to play for. ODU's two wins away from bowl eligibility. They've been really close, it seems like, in almost every game. Uh, Any interest in this one, or have you heard anything from any Sharps regarding ODU and Liberty? I like Old Dominion here, and uh, I want to say... I want to say the bear on his podcast, Chris Felica, uh, took Old Dominion. So if, if use that for what you will, I, I respect Chris quite a bit uh, in his opinions. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, this has been an Old Dominion team that has has been pretty darn competitive here. Uh, you know, the last really since the start of or the end of September, right? I mean, look at their season so far. I got to dig through it, but Matt, I think ATS, this is it's a pretty darn good football team, ATS this year. And I actually really like the spot for ODU uh, tomorrow. Uh, I haven't added it to my card. I might do it. Uh, if if I'm getting the, the Matt a, a stamp of approval here, I, I, I would look towards ODU. I don't know if we'll get a 14. It's sitting at 13 and a half. Um, but yeah, I, I think ODU, this is a really good spot to, to back the Monarchs going on the road to Liberty, a weird non-conference game, right? Um, you know, I, I've had my issues trying to figure out when to fade Liberty. I've been wrong a couple times, but uh, I could definitely get intrigued by uh, taking some Monarchs here at plus the 13 and a half. ODU is 6-3 and three against the spread yeah. so far this season. It's not so, bad. I mean, that's the, they're tied with JMU. JMU's also 6-3. and three. Virginia's they actually... covered against JMU? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm saying uh, JMU is 6-3 and three against right, the spread. Right. Uh, Virginia's actually 7-3 and three against the spread. Liberty is 7-2 and two against the spread. So State of Virginia covering a lot of uh, for a lot of people uh, on Saturdays. Alright, so uh, what do you like tomorrow? Yeah, we could go kind of from the big boys down. Uh, the biggest game on the card that I do like uh, of most notable uh, teams. I, I don't have a bet on Penn State, Michigan, uh, but I do have a bet on Tennessee and Missouri. Uh, top 15 matchup uh, at in Columbia, and uh, we've started to see the market gravitate towards Tennessee here. And that's where I'm at. I, I don't like playing road teams all that much, Matt, uh, especially road favorites. But, you know, we talk about spots, situational spots. I think this is a really good one for the Vols. Vols had a glorified scrimmage last week against UConn. What did Missouri do? They went on the road. They played Georgia. Luther Burden got banged up. For those unaware, Luther Burden is one of the most electric wide receivers in the entire country. And uh, he is... Uh, 
He's questionable for tomorrow's game for Missouri. You look at Tennessee and the way they're able to run the ball with a, a three-headed monster in that backfield. So I like Tennessee uh, in this spot. Anything under three, or if you want to, you know, lay the money line here. So I do like the Vols in this spot. Uh, another ACC game. Let's go to the CW, Matt. Uh, let's take Wake Forest. You talk about bowl eligibility. What a weird situation at NC State. You know, MJ Morris after they beat. Uh, Miami and Clemson in back-to-back games. He said, I'm going to redshirt. Dave Doran didn't seem to be on board with that decision by MJ Morris. They're going back to Brennan Armstrong, and now they're going on the road to Wake. Wake is in need of a victory for bowl eligibility. Wake goes to Notre Dame next week, uh, so a game that they'll be a pretty heavy underdog uh, for Wake. So they got to win two of their last three here, Matt, to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, I'm a big Dave Clawson guy. I think he's going to have this team ready to go. They're coming off of a a pretty tough loss to Duke, uh, but I thought they were the better team. NC State outgained significantly in the two wins against Clemson and uh, and Miami. So I'm going to take Wake, short home dog, uh, plus the two and a half. And, uh, and then I, two more real quickly. I love the letdown spot for Oklahoma State. Um, you know, Oklahoma State has been an underdog four times in this five-game winning streak that they're on, Matt. Uh, last week, of course, beating Oklahoma in the final installment of Bedlam. Now you've got to go on the road to the bounce house, take on UCF, who has been underachieving this year. Certainly has been a disappointing year for the Knights, but John Reese Plumley's back, their quarterback. Uh, if they can avoid the turnovers, I think UCF is very live against Oklahoma State. The worry I have even though I am on UCF, Matt, is that they struggle mightily to stop the run. UCF does. Uh, they are, I think, 132nd in the country in rushing yards allowed per game. Not ideal when you're facing a guy like Ollie Gordon, who is you know, one of the best, if not the best running back in the country. And then lastly, you got to have a little late-night action in your life. And uh, this is the first bet I made of the week. And uh, you always love when the first bet you make has moved in your direction. I'm on San Jose State situationally phenomenal spot for San Jose State. Uh, they are off a bye. Uh, this is a San Jose State team that started 1-5, Matt, when you look at their schedule, though. I mean, their schedule, uh, if Michigan played their schedule, I'd be curious their record because uh, Michigan has the 111th most difficult schedule in the country. So San Jose State, this is how they started the season, Matt. USC, Oregon State. Then they played FCS Cal Poly. Then they went on the road to Toledo, best team in the MAC by what seems like a good stretch. Then they played conference games against Boise State and Air Force. They started 1-5. They've Won their last three, all by double digits, coming off a bye, rivalry game. Fresno State has played back-to-back games that have come down pretty much to the wire. They beat Boise State last week, and then prior to that, they beat UNLV in the final seconds. So I'm going to take San Jose State here. We've seen a flip of favorites. Uh, let's roll with the Spartans late night. That's a 10.30 Eastern kick time out in the Bay Area. We're going to take San Jose State against Fresno. Uh, all right, let's look at the NFL on Sunday, and um, I- I'm convincing myself the Commanders may not be a bad play. Uh, they're uh, Curtis Samuel, the only guy listed on their injury report. He is listed as questionable. Washington's played well on the road so far they this have. season, and Seattle just doesn't seem like it's as scary as it always has been in the past. Can I convince you on the Commanders? Uh, that would be the way I'd be looking right now. Um, you know, that is... Uh 
a Washington team like you're right. They have played very well on the road, right? You know, last time they were on the road, um, you know, they beat Atlanta. Um, and and now you think about the Philadelphia game, overtime loss. So this has been a team that has, has played, you know, pretty well on the road. Uh, my worry is the inconsistency of Sam Howell. When is it going to come back to bite them? And I, I, I overlooked also they won last weekend duh, uh, against New England on the road. Um, the inconsistencies of Sam Howell, it kind of rears its ugly head. Like It felt like every other week he's had two straight good games. So does it keep on rolling here, or does he take a step back? So that's certainly my, my worry uh, about Washington. But no, I, I tend to agree. I think Seattle is uh, a little overinflated uh, in the market here. Um, is this a, a I've, you know, a couple people at VEASAN uh, think this is a spot where Seattle thrives, kind of in that bully role uh, where they could beat up on the on the bad teams so uh it would be washington or pass for me I, I all in all matt this this week 10 card of the nfl after last week with the with the loaded slate man it's kind of lacking a little uh little juice for all of us uh this week cleveland baltimore san francisco jacksonville in the early window probably the two best games of the day because you've got tommy devito going up against dallas uh where that number just keeps on rising it's up to 17 and a half for dallas in that spot uh i so i'm still left in my survivor pool i'm presuming you are as well what do you think the uh, percentage is that people will take dallas this weekend in their survivor pool so the only wrinkle to that would be this so the circa contest that i bring up a lot with you right is circa survivor has some wrinkles where thanksgiving christmas are their own weeks and if that's the particular case for your survivor then you have to wonder do i utilize dallas here if you are at a normal survivor pool this is as free as it comes you know dallas as a 17 and a half point favorite you gotta play dallas uh if you have used dallas already uh or <laughs> look if you use dallas against arizona like i did in one of my pools uh you'd be out because they lost that game uh to arizona i, I guess cincinnati is an intriguing one but the only worry i have about cincinnati in this spot houston's been playing better and, you know, T. Higgins is out. Jamar Chase is banged up. So I don't really love that spot uh, for Cincinnati in a, in a survivor pool this week. I, I really think if you've got Dallas, you got to use them. I mean, this is, this is the ultimate spot to use them. You're never, all season long, folks, you will not get a 17-point favorite in the NFL. So this is the spot. Uh, you got to use Dallas unless you're in, you know, Circa Survivor, which is a little bit different. And uh, in that case, then maybe you have to get a little creative. Make sure to check out his college football betting podcast and his show, Beeson Primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Follow him on Twitter at 1TimMurray. Tim, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again next week. As always, appreciate it, Matt. All right, uh, that is uh, Tim Murray. Yes, I have Dallas still left. I am, I, I'm doing the uh, a pool with somebody, and I was like, I told them last week, I'm like, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. I said five or six times. Um, you could use, as he, as he said, Baltimore. Cincinnati, like uh, Houston's playing better than we thought. Um, I think since I think Houston, look, Cincinnati's playing really well, and they've got a game against Baltimore next week. Uh, I wouldn't run the Cincinnati either. So yeah, I think look, I'm lucky enough that I still have Baltimore, Cincinnati, Dallas, and Jacksonville still left as talented teams that this late in the season. But like, don't overthink it. Use Dallas unless you're in the circa thing, because then you're going to use Dallas anyway uh, for Thanksgiving. Because our three Thanksgiving games are, um, and I'm pulling it up now to see. I mean, obviously you've got Dallas and 
Washington, who you probably would take Dallas. Uh, Detroit and Green Bay, you probably would maybe would take Detroit. And then Seattle and San Francisco, which I wouldn't touch because it's in Seattle and I never take road teams. So you'll probably end up using Dallas or Detroit. And then I don't even know what the Christmas slate is. Um, the Christmas slate is Kansas City, Las Vegas, which chances are you've used Kansas City, Philadelphia, and New York. Maybe you haven't used the Eagles yet. And San Francisco, Baltimore, which could be, could be a Super Bowl preview, as we would probably hear 19 times uh, during that week. Uh, so thanks to Tim Murray. Let's take a timeout. Coming up, I'll give you my thoughts on the uh, games involving the state schools. As we said, the ODU-Liberty game is so fascinating for so many different reasons. Uh, We'll get into that. We'll tell you who's playing college basketball tonight and who's playing college basketball in about one hour down in Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll update you on all that as we take you up to 4 o'clock. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. Thanks to Tim Murray. If you ever miss an interview, go to our website, ESPNRichmond.com. You can see the interviews up on the website and uh, check them out, whether it's me, Al, Bob, whoever. Go to our website. Please go to our website. Um, so, well, let's do a little college basketball. Uh, busy day today involving the state schools. Uh, as I said, we got one team tipping off in about less than an hour. It is Liberty, who is playing Charlotte down in Charlotte at um, this. I'm, I'm guessing it's the same place where they held the Virginia Tech women's basketball game last night, the Spectrum Center. That was a fun game last night. I tuned in after uh, around halftime, maybe slightly before halftime. Um, I look. I'm I'm like a lot of you probably who don't necessarily. I don't watch a lot of women's college basketball, but when it's a high level, it is it is just as good as any sort of basketball to watch. And Tech went ice cold at the wrong time, and Caitlin Clark got really hot at the wrong time, and that's how you lose a game like that. Uh, Georgia Amor was very good. Uh, Liz Kitley took a little time to get going a little bit. Uh, it was a tough loss for Tech, but I'm sure that they will learn from it and they will play better. And it was a great atmosphere. There was a lot of Tech fans who made the trip. Charlotte's an easy trip. Trust me, I've made it a bunch, twice a year. Um, but that was a, that was a very good event, a very good opportunity for Virginia Tech. And unfortunately, they didn't win. They're going to make the tournament. They'll probably see Iowa maybe in the Final Four or something like that. So they'll remember that. They were right there. Uh, I was a little frustrated. Uh, Iowa got some calls that they probably shouldn't have. Caitlin Clark did. But that's what, uh, in any sport, stars get calls. But um, I thought that was a great atmosphere to watch the game last night. I know some of you are like, what are you doing? Are you talking women's college basketball? High-level women's college basketball is a lot of fun. And obviously, Virginia Tech plays high-level college basketball. But I'm presuming this is the same place. Uh, so at 4.30, Liberty and Charlotte. Liberty about a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Uh, Liberty won their first game of the season. Of course, it was a lower-level opponent, so they're going to get their first test. George Mason is at home tonight against Austin P. Both those teams are at 1-0. That's at 7 o'clock. Radford hosting... Uh, excuse me. Radford's playing Marshall out at the Greenbrier. Uh, that's at 7 o'clock. Radford lost their first game. Of course, they played some school named North Carolina. Uh, Marshall's 1-0. Also at 7 o'clock over at the Siegel Center, the Rams uh, are a 4.5-point favorite against Samford. This one opened at 7.5. Went down to four and a half. Now it's back up to five. So uh, people not very thrilled with VCU early on. Uh, total was opened at 143 and a half. Went up to 149 and a half. So uh, people expecting points tonight. We'll see. Look, I don't want to get any texts. And I read some of the texts that Al got and that Bob got with regards to VCU. Like, I don't, they lost the game. It's fine. Everything is okay. 
Like, let's settle down here. They don't have their whole roster yet. And who's not to say that McNeese State couldn't win 20 games and all of a sudden be a good team, and that's not a bad loss. So let's settle down. If they lose to Sanford, well, we'll reevaluate things. I'm not ready to write off the season, but you just mean that there's no at-large bid most likely coming. They've got to win the A-10 tournament. And look, I know VCU fans have gotten spoiled in terms of the A-10 tournament, or excuse me, the NCAA tournament, but like the NIT wouldn't be a bad thing for this team, and they build on it and come back better next year. So like, we'll see. I think they win tonight. I think they play better, but I mean, I thought they were going to beat McNeese State, but... Let's not go too far if they start out 0 2. So that's at 7 o'clock. It's on ESPN. I'm presuming Sean Robertson is doing that. He did a fantastic job in game one uh, for the Rams. Also at 7 o'clock tonight, Virginia and Florida down in Charlotte. This is part of the triple header. We'll tell you who the third game is because it obviously involves a state school. Virginia and Florida, 7 o'clock tonight. It's on the ACC network. Virginia about a, well, wait a second. Is this true? Virginia uh, Virginia's a one point favorite. Although DraftKings, which obviously we can't bet on, has Florida as a one-point favorite. Florida's a really athletic team. They've got a lot of transfers. The one thing that's going to cause Virginia trouble, or at least has caused Virginia trouble in the past in terms of the pack line defense, Florida has not one, but two six-foot-ten and high and taller uh, center types who can shoot threes. We know that that's kind of what has given the pack line trouble at times, bringing the centers out. Also, Virginia's kind of undersized this year. So we'll see if they, you know, I think one of the things that Tony Bennett's going to hammer on on them is that they have to rebound tonight. And um, that's going to be very interesting to see. I, I mean, Virginia can win. I've seen some sharp people in my industry pick uh, the other team, pick Florida. Um, but this will be a nice test early on. Should be a very pro-Virginia crowd, although I'm guessing there'll be a lot of Gators fans in this one. So it'll tell us a lot about Virginia. Um, but that's at 7 o'clock on the ACC Network. And then the third game in Charlotte, which hopefully, you know, if you're heading down there, you'll be able to see. Um, it is Virginia Tech and South Carolina. That's about 9.30 on the ACC Network. And Virginia Tech won their first game. South Carolina's all right. They're not great. I mean, like this will be a test, but it, you know, we'll we'll see. It, it's obviously a Power Five opponent, but I don't know how the. You know, look, I I'm somewhat down on football on um tech, only because you know I think Rodney Rice would have helped a lot. I think that Rodney Rice, the uh, the, him leaving the school, I think is is kind of crappy for for tech. You know, they won their first game, but it was a bad um, it was a bad opponent. So I think they should win tonight. Tech is a favorite tonight over South Carolina, a six-point favorite tonight. So there is an opportunity for them to um, get the win there. Um, but we'll see what happens. There should be a lot of people rooting for them down in Charlotte. Uh, so that's the college basketball slate tonight involving the uh, Division I schools. Uh, there is one game already in the books. Uh, Air Force beat Long Island 82-67. to So... Um, there's a game that already happened. It was at 1 o'clock in New, in New York. Um, all right, so there's a little bit of breaking news in this Michigan story. Um, the Big Ten, this is according to Pete Thamel, the Big Ten is expected to discipline Michigan for the in-person scouting and ongoing sign-stealing investigation and will prohibit Jim Harbaugh from being on the sideline until the conclusion of the regular season. He will be allowed to coach during the week. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think this is kind of ridiculous. 
I think the Big Ten is caving to everybody else in the conference. Yes, it's a bad look for the school, and I've I've already talked about it. like them getting caught is the worst part of this thing. But to act like it doesn't happen in in large in college football is ridiculous. We already heard the story about how all the other schools were sharing signals with each other against Michigan. That can't be very legal. Um, it's ridiculous. I just I, I think this is kind of ridiculous that the Big Ten is caving to everyone else or in the conference um, when they really shouldn't have to. They really shouldn't have to. And if you're gonna if you're gonna suspend Harbaugh, like suspend him for the whole week, what does it do that he can't coach on Saturday? You're going to allow him to put in a game plan. You're going to allow him to be with the team during the week, and then all of a sudden Saturday comes along and you're like, well. We're going to put our foot down and say, you can't be there on the sideline Saturday. Like, the damage is done. The game plan is in. So, like, this whole story, everyone is treating this story terribly because the people who are yelling the loudest about Michigan are the ones who also are doing it themselves. They just haven't gotten caught. The people who are yelling the loudest are also doing it as well. And if you say, no, they're not, you're oblivious. Every school, to some extent, I mean, look, we talked to Kurt Signetti. Kurt Signetti thought that two schools had taken his signals. Um, now, probably in-game, which, you know, is legal, obviously. Um, Marty Favret said yesterday that he also, um, you know, had a guy who was, you know, involved with that sort of thing. Uh, he had no interest in getting into that sort of stuff. So, like, to some extent, all this stuff is happening. Michigan just got caught. It's like steroids. We have to assume that a lot of people during the baseball era, during when steroids are prevalent, that you have to assume most of those people were on steroids. The people who got caught are the ones who get in trouble. So this doesn't change anything. I think Michigan wins. I mean, I'm kind of hoping Michigan wins, obviously, because I don't like Penn State. But this doesn't change anything for me. Jim Harbaugh put the game plan in. He's probably got very capable assistants that will take care of business for him. And I'm looking right now, real quick, before we break. There's been no change in the lines. Michigan's still a favorite. So you want to punish Michigan, but you're barely punishing Michigan for things that you kind of sort of have. I I don't know. Makes no sense. 3270888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. But that is the breaking news. Jim Harbaugh will be suspended for the rest of the regular season, but he'll be allowed to be with the team during the week. Okay. Let's take a timeout. We'll do our final segment. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. The official, official announcement has come out, and I just, it's so stupid. By the way, if you're really trying to punish Michigan, they already had three games earlier this season without Jim Harbaugh. So you basically are saying, well, we're taking away your head coach, except for during the week, and we're allowing you to basically do what you did earlier in the season. Like, listen, I could outcoach James Franklin. Like, Penn State doesn't, it's not going to do anything. And probably I could outcoach Ryan Day, too. Like, it's not like you're hurting Michigan as much. And basically what the the conference is doing is it's pushing it along the line down to the NCAA and forcing the NCAA to do something if they want to do more. It's just ridiculous. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. This is not a punishment. And so people will whine, it's not enough. It's not enough. How dare you? But whatever. I I can't I can't deal with this. I think it's ridiculous. Just remember, just I want you to make a mental note. The people who are yelling the loudest, Penn State, Ohio State, probably Rutgers, like they'll be you'll find out years from now or you'll find out soon that like they did something too. 
because that's how it always is. Because remember, whenever you, they always get the second person. Maybe somebody else was doing it to Michigan, so Michigan decided to do it. They don't get the first person. They always get the second person. Uh, good luck this weekend to Virginia Union. They've got Fayetteville State in the CIAA Championship, 3 o'clock on Saturday down in Salem. I don't know if they would be able to get in if they lost the game to the NCAA tournament. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not as familiar with uh, D2 and D3 uh, bracketology. I don't know if Randolph-Macon has to win out to continue to get the one seed. I mean, they're just that much better than everybody else in that level. So maybe they have the one seed locked up in the in the presumed NCAA tournament. But good luck to Union. Um, you know, Fayetteville State, they are they lost to them 10-7. to So that makes a lot of sense that these two teams will play again. Um Fayetteville State kicked a field goal with six seconds left to win that game here at Hovey Field. So if you ask Virginia Union, who would you want to play in the CIAA championship, it would be Fayetteville State. So good luck. Hopefully you get revenge and we don't have to have a nervous week next week, hoping that you make it into the NCAA tournament as an at-large. Uh, also, as I said, Hampton-Sydney Randolph-Macon this weekend. I, I, I've got to imagine that it's a sellout. And if you want to go, you're going to have to find your own way in there. Um, but good luck to both of them. I had Marty Favret. Bob had Pedro Ruza. So um, we'll see what happens there as uh, the game is played this weekend. And as I said, ODU Liberty is the most intriguing game this weekend in the state. JMU is going to win by a million. But, uh, you know, it's bowl eligibility for ODU and all the close games that they lost and won and played this season versus Liberty, who's basically steamrolled everybody and has essentially nothing to play for. Their cha- their championship bid in the uh, Conference USA has already been locked up. They essentially have nothing to play for. I mean, obviously they have stuff to play for. It's recruiting. It's things like that. It's an in-state rival. 